Hey, what's going on, everybody? Uh, I know it's been a while since uh, since I've done this, but you know, um, it's good to be back. Um, I'm back here bringing the violence into your ears. So let's just get right into the thick of things. Let's not make this weird. Alrighty, um, let's start. Uh, let's start last Thursday with uh, with uh, Clarissa Shields on PFL making her uh, MMA debut. And you know, I think the easy the the way to sum this up the most is. Is you know that looked like a an MMA fight from like a men's MMA fight back from like 2007. Not that guys had hands like Clarissa Shields does. I mean, dude, her her striking is phenomenal. I mean, she's fast. She has a bunch of combos. But that really was that classic, you know, grappler striker matchup. And you know, one per like for however good she looked on the feet, she looked just equally as bad on the ground and yeah you know she survived a lot of scares um you know she held her own uh but clearly like you know she's there's some real deficiencies there and i really don't know what what pfl is going to do for her because i know she's not in the she's not in the tournament so they're just gonna have to keep feeding her the I guess people who are just out, I, I'm not really sure how their structure works. I, To be honest, like I haven't followed PFL very much. Um, I used to follow the World Series of Fighting a lot um, just because of their name value back in the day. But since they've moved over to PFL, uh, excuse me, um, really hasn't been my thing. This season has probably been the missed, uh, most entertaining, so I've been kind of tuning in for that. But um, anyways, getting back on track with Clarissa Shields here. Um Oh, man, uh, what did I want to say? I wanted to get into something. See, I'm a little bit rusty since I haven't been doing this, man. I'm sorry, guys. Um, but, you know, yeah, again, uh, her striking is obviously phenomenal. Um, she has really great combos. She's really fast. And I think she has the striking. Um, she kind of has the type of striking you need. And and this isn't to say not, not all boxers are going to make a, an easy transition over to MMA. Just like not all wrestlers and not all jiu-jitsu guys make... Uh, and same thing with... It, it doesn't matter what your background is. Some people have styles that are great for MMA and some people don't. And I believe her striking style with heavy combinations and being able to get in and out is really, really going to suit her well once she gets her legs under her. Um... But, you know, and, and she's only 26 years old, so she has plenty of time if she really wants to commit to this, um, you know, to really, really close that gap to where, man, if she can get some decent takedown defense, she's going to be fucking trouble for these girls. And the, the the only issue is is fighting at 155. I mean, the only other person in her division that's anything, that's a big, big money fight, is Kayla Harrison. And I really don't know how long Kayla, because I know Kayla's a little bit longer in the tooth. Uh, I feel like she's a little bit older. Let's just double check that real quick. Yeah, so, you know, Kayla Harrison, she's she's 30, so she's going to, you know, her big fights need to come right now, uh, or at least within the next couple years, where I, I still think Clarissa Shields is going to be a few years, uh, like a, a long few years away um, from being, uh, you know, maybe that's not true, though, just because of the weight, though. I mean, if she ends up getting down to 145, it's going to be a whole nother mess. But, you know, once she finds somebody that, that can take her down, it, it's going to be a different story. So hopefully PFL can keep finding her good fights um, until she's forced to fight Kayla, which will probably, you know, will be a big giant fight. But Kayla's going to take her down and rip her arm off pretty fucking quick. Um... But yeah, uh, I wanted to make some comparisons, but I, I totally lost my train of thought. So if I 
figure out what I was going to say, I will uh, double back on that. Um, this is just going to be me, I guess, just working out the fucking uh, the cobwebs here. So bear with me, guys. I apologize. Um, let's get into Bellator. Now, I don't know what the fuck is going on with Bellator. But you had your welterweight champ who... A lot of people were saying was the best was um, you know one of the best prosper one of the best fighter. Well, he is one of the best fighters outside the UFC. But people were saying, oh, him and Usman would be a great fight, which I always had problems with, and you, obviously that was evident in um, his fight with Amosov on Friday. Uh, but uh, with Bellator, um, dude, where is your guys' promotion at? Uh, there was no highlights posted on the Bellator YouTube page or the, uh, or the Showtime page. There was no recap. There was nothing. All there was was MMA Junkie posting the post-fight press conference. That was it. There wasn't even, uh, um, an Instagram post. There was absolutely nothing about, if you, if you had no idea what was going on, you wouldn't have known after the fact either. I don't. I have no idea what's going on with Showtime, Viacom, or Bellator. I don't know who has something over this, but I mean, like, there was absolutely no chatter. Um, again, I work. I worked on Friday, so I had to watch these after the fact. But it was just like there was nothing, absolutely nothing. I had to dig to find out these results, and that should not be the case after a big fight like this. Um, so you guys need to get your shit together. And usually Bellator is pretty good about, you know, making it known that, hey, we got a card or this happened. But literally, like, no chatter. I, I, if, you, if I have to go to specific MMA pages, uh, MMA websites, and go to their results tab and go to your guys' event, there's a fucking problem. So hopefully that changes. Um, now that crowds are back, maybe it'll be a little bit different. But, yeah, I, I don't know if it was just because of how bad the main event was or what, but there was absolutely nothing. Like, usually they even post little snippets of, you know, Josh and uh, I forget the one chick's name at the booth, but there was absolutely nothing. Um, and, you know, before, I mean, I know the main event sucked and it, it really wasn't, it. I mean, besides, you know, Aaron Pico and the Jason Jackson Paul Daly fight was, was pretty decent too, but, you know, there wasn't really a lot going on. But going into it, you know, it was kind of a sneaky card. I mean, you got uh, Kyle Crutchmer on the prelims. He's a, you know, giant, uh, giant up-and-comer. Um, you had Nick Newell on the undercard who definitely should be getting a spotlight for his story. I know he came up with the... With a uh, split decision loss, but still, I mean, like, dude, these are the kind of guys you need to be, you know, capitalizing on and marketing on it, especially if you're going to give them a paycheck. Um, dude, Aaron Pico, though, Aaron Pico stole the show on, on Friday. Um, you know, since he, his first few setbacks, you know, he's really coming into his own. And I like how he's not finishing these fights early. You know, he's really, like, getting experience in the cage and doing this late. It's beautiful Anaconda Choke showing his diversity, really showing that he has... Um, uh, you know every piece of the puzzle, and what I'm, I'm what I'm really getting excited for here. And usually this is something we see in boxing. We don't usually see this in MMA too much because, uh, again, MMA is something where you really come into your own. Um, you know later in your career, like you always see guys kind of you know like you're seeing it right now with um, you know Brandon's still pretty young, but I mean you know he was kind of the low guy on the totem pole forever. Got cut from the UFC. Finally makes finally becomes a champion. Same thing with Charles Oliveira. Um, you know, same thing with Robbie Lawler. You see these guys later in their career finally, you know, um, find their spot and find their confidence and their game really just becomes totally um, cohesive um, and, you know, they make strides and, you know, make runs for the championship. 
But right now in Bellator, we're seeing something so crazy. We are seeing two young, young, young kids really just uh, kind of take over the division. And 145 in, in uh, Bellator is no fucking joke. Like, that competes with uh, with UFC any day. And UFC's 145-pound division is no... 145 uh, kind of everywhere right now is kicking ass. Um, but it's specifically in these two organizations. But yeah, you got Aaron Pico and AJ McKee, these two young guns who got brought up in the game from the time they were kids. So they really have, like, a lifelong... Um, lifelong list of experience here and so at a very young age they're just making waves and yes Aaron Pico did have the hiccups but that's only going to make him better going on and what I what I'm really hoping to see not only for them too but you know this would be a real good showcase for Pico with you know uh, I'm sorry not for Pico but uh for Bellator is if man if those two can do something like just build up to some crazy you can't really call it a mega fight because it's not that um, dollar. I mean, maybe by the time it happens, it's a big, you know, money fight. But in terms of, uh, you know, legacy and and where the sports at, and you know, both being kind of these like, you know, um, LeBron James esque figures in uh, in MMA, and I only mean that by like, um, you know, LeBron uh, got recruit or got drafted straight out of high school, and so for these kids to you know be you know turning eighteen, fighting MMA, um, and obviously they were fighting way before that, but you guys get what I'm saying. But for those two to get all the way up to the top of the 145-pound division in Bellator this young in their career uh, is, is, is fucking crazy. So if they if they can build to a, to a fight, you know, AJ McKee obviously has a, a big fight ahead of him with Patricio. And, you know, he could lose that fight, but that doesn't mean that AJ is not going to be the champ later down the line. Or same thing with Pico. Um you know, AJ might have like a little have a little feud with Patricio, depending on how that goes, and they might fight a couple times before Pico gets there. But I think at the end of the day, as long as you get Aaron Pico versus AJ McKee, and you build this as the 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 young guns who took took over uh, 145 pounds, you're gonna have, uh, and you know, they could even have their own trilogy, and it just makes me really excited to think about because we rarely ever see this in MMA when you got two guys at opposite ends. Um, of the division, or I should say, yeah, yeah, I mean, clearly they're on opposite ends of the division right now, but, you know, around kind of the same pace, and then end up building to a big fight like that, um, so I, I'd be really excited to see that, um, you know, Jason Jackson takes out, uh, Paul Daly, it's 175-pound catchweight fight, you know, Jason Jackson could be next for Amosov, he could give it to Logan Storley, who got, you know, who had a good fight, but, um, you know, uh, I don't know. There's just not much to say. I don't really know what you do with Paul. I don't really know what Paul wants to do. I don't know what... I don't know. It's just weird. Um, you know, Jason had that weird fight with... Uh, I shouldn't say weird. It was just uh, just a weird pace fight because uh, Jason was kind of getting dominated early by... Uh, from I can't even remember how, which way it went. But regardless, that fight, I, I kind of thought Neiman won. Jackson ended up getting the decision, so it kind of puts him closer to a title fight. Um, but man, Jackson's been on a roll, so it, it's either going to be him or Storley up next for Amosov. But then you had uh, Amosov take the belt off of Douglas Lehman. Amosov did everything he was supposed to do. I know everyone he got booed, and people weren't really excited about it. But man, when you're that close from a from a title win, and you do something stupid to try and finish the fight, and you end up blowing it for whatever reason. That's the kind of shit that haunts you for the rest of your life. So he did everything he was supposed to do. 
And if anything, it, it falls on Lima for making that fight boring because he had nothing for the takedown and he had no, I mean, just no urgency in getting up, which, I mean, I hate to tell you guys, this has been fucking Lima's problem since day fucking one. Sometimes he's, I don't know, sometimes he fight fights with an urgency like he did in the second Rory McDonald fight and the second Corey Shaw fight. Um, maybe these guys just need to fight a second time for Douglas Lima to fucking have it in the tank, but, you know, I, I, I just don't know what it is with Lima. Sometimes he looks like this fucking crazy killer that can't be stopped no matter what style it is, and then other times just people neutral, completely neutralize him like Amosoft did, and... I don't know if it had something to do with the weight cut, you know, fighting at 185 in his last fight and now cutting back down to 170, but he's going to be at a real crossroads here. Um, it's going to take a lot for him to get another title fight after his last couple fights. Um, and if anything, if this weight cut is killing him that much, maybe he should just uh, he should just commit to going to 185 full-time. Um, even though he has the loss to Musasi, that fight kind of was turning the corner at the end. Not saying that I want to see that fight again, but if he really committed to the division and, you know, kind of gained some weight, you know, he could probably, you know, he'd be right back up there with all those guys up there. And yeah, do they got some good wrestlers? Yeah, but not the kind of wrestlers that they got at 170. So I think that'd be good, but we'll see. I, I just, I, I hope he can turn around, but I don't even know if he's ever going to be the same after this. I mean, he's had so many ups and downs. I mean, he's a three-time Bellator champ. I mean, he won it, lost to Askren in the same fucking way that he lost um, on Friday. Um, Askren leaves, he gets his belt back, and then Korshkov pretty much does this, not, not the same, but, you know, pretty much just dominates him on the ground, and Korshkov was a fucking kickboxer. And I know he had, I think he had a blown out knee or something like that, but it's just kind of, it's kind of the same things that happen over and over again with Lima, which is why I think people saying like him and Usman would be a great fight because I think like I, I love Lima. I mean, I, I've been watching Lima since, um, I want to say, no, he didn't fight Sengoku, but he fought, uh, he definitely fought MSC. He had a three fight stint in MSC where he beat their poster boy twice, I think, and Ryan Ford who uh, hope that guy's doing well because he had some good fights back in the day with Pete Spratt. But, um, here, one second, guys. But, um, dude, I've been watching Douglas Lima for a long time, over 10 years. So, um, I love that guy. I love that guy. And I, 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 you know, I was rooting for him. I wish he was going to stay the champ just so he could, you know, build his legacy. And that's the kind of guy you want as your champ in Bellator. But, just got a problem with these fucking heavy wrestlers. What can you say? So, Interested to see what happens next there, though. Um, so, okay, we got rid of that. Let's move on to the good shit. Um, UFC was uh, over the weekend. Um, since it was in Glendale, I actually grabbed a ticket last minute, literally just a couple of hours before the event. And, um, dude, scalpers are fucking ridiculous with this shit. I don't know about, um, you know, in Houston and, and in Jackson, or, uh, yeah, Jacksonville, where they had the last, uh, last two live fights, but holy shit, these tickets were fucking ridiculous. I signed up for the, the pre-sale, and I thought they'd be, you know, I thought they'd be expensive, but not, like, what they were. I mean, they were 350 bucks for nosebleeds, and, um, people were trying to resell them for like thousand dollars for not like floor seats, but just like lower level seats. I'm like, this is fucking crazy. So my plan was, was just to, you know, kind of wait it out. And I figured, cause there was a ton of scalpers and I figured scalpers would, um, would, um, you know, they wouldn't be able to sell all their tickets. So eventually somebody was just going to have to give one away to me. And luckily I got that. Um, 
I, I, I was so excited. I, I couldn't wait. Like, not only just because of my work schedule lately, not only have I not seen a fight card in I don't know how long live. Um, usually I get off just in time for, like, the main event, if that. And I'm, like, rushing home just to catch that. But, um, man, I haven't seen a live fight since uh, Justin Gaethje and, uh, and Dustin Poirier um, last time um, UFC was here in, in Glendale. And uh, so I was itching, man. I was really itching, especially after, you know, all the COVID stuff and just, you know, everything being up in the air. And it was super nice to be back at a live fight and feel that energy. And fuck, I, I've been to a lot of fights in my life, but I've never felt energy like that before. Uh, I was at BJ Penn GSP2, the, the first super fight ever in UFC. That I mean, the, the energy wasn't even like that. Uh, or the, the energy then wasn't like what it was um, Saturday in Glendale. Um, but you know, as I was getting there, I was itching, I was super excited. And then as soon as I got there, I was quickly reminded of the things that I fucking can't stand about watching fights live. And you know what? I'm going to go through them real quick. Just, just, just so if you guys haven't been to a live fight, just so you know, if you haven't, you definitely got to go. It's definitely fucking worth it. But you guys got to understand you, you got to deal with so much bullshit. I mean, okay, the things that I love, let's just get that out of the way real quick. I love the energy and atmosphere. Like, there's nothing like going, especially with a with a big card where it's like there's a lot of stakes on the line. You literally, like, I mean, however you feel at home, it's magnified or it's intensified like a hundred times just because everybody in the building feels like that and everything feels so close. And, like, if somebody, when everybody starts roaring, at, you know, you, you just, you, you internalize everything. Um, the other things that I like, um, you don't see this on the pay-per-view at home, but when, uh, when Dana and Joe were doing their intro, um, to the pay-per-view, what happens right before that live is they do a giant montage to the Who's Baba O'Reilly, and it's just like a montage of pretty much all of the ebb and flows of the UFC throughout the year. I mean, it's all their best moments, all their crazy moments, all their best fights, just, it just go. It's it's like a giant. It, it, for me, it's like a walk through memory lane because you know, growing up as a you know, I've been watching this since I was uh, like a ten or eleven years old. Um, so getting to kind of like relive those moments with a soundtrack in the back and fast motion with everybody in the crowd like that always gets me super pumped because it. Even though the moments happen really fast, like it kind of you, it brings you back to where you know where I was um, when I saw those crazy moments, and it it makes me it makes me super emotional. I love it. Um, and then too, I you know maybe it's just because I haven't seen a fight card from the beginning in a long time, but I thought they got rid of uh, Face the Pain, so I was kind of surprised for Baba O'Reilly to slip right into fucking Face the Pain. I don't know if that was just like a throwback for this fight. Or what? But yeah, I thought they got rid of Face the Pain a long time ago. I thought they got rid of Face the Pain when they got rid of the fucking Gladiator intro thing. Um, but anyways, I loved all that. But fuck, I... Okay, listen. As much as I do like the atmosphere and, and the energy of everybody, fucking it, people who go to fights fucking suck. That's probably my biggest thing. Is people who go to fights? Uh, maybe it's just Arizona. Maybe, uh, but you know, actually, no. I've been to fights. I've been to fights in Vegas. Been to fights in Arizona. And I grew up in San Jose. And I saw Bellator, UFC, Strike Force, um, even lower promote like Scott Coker used to do this Battle of the Bay stuff where he would grab the the best fighters from all over the Bay Area and put them together. I've seen fights all over the place. Fans just suck universally here because as soon as they don't get what they want, they get fucking pissy like a bunch of spoiled brats. 
And so, I mean, like, the fans are fucking ridiculous, and they were extra stupid on Saturday. I mean, the, the booing, the chants, the drunk fucking retards, um, just everything. Okay, you know, and this has always been a pet peeve of mine. This is, from day one, this has been a pet peeve of mine. But I fucking hate chicken head girls who go to fucking fights in their skimpy ass cocktail dresses with their 10 inch heels. And you're like, where the fuck are you? And then all they do is sit down, they play on their phone, they talk to their neighbor, and it's usually some other chicken head in a fucking cocktail dress with 10 inch heels too. And all they do is talk about who fucking Jacinda's sleeping with and how much of a fucking asshole he is. It's, it's the fucking worst. I will say one thing that has gotten better is, is I definitely did not see one affliction tap out or any sort of fucking gimmicky ass fucking fight gear shirt. And that probably has a lot to do with these stupid fucking Reebok Venom fucking shit because, yeah, you don't see any of those meatheads, but you still... Uh, on the contrary, on the contrary, though, uh, a bunch of soccer moms are coming in with Venom fight fight kits, and I was like, "Are you fucking serious? Fucking sugar daddy ass fucking husband tells you, hey, we're going to UFC this weekend, so you go to UFC.com, and you're like, I gotta fit in and buy a fucking fight kit. Like, god damn it, god damn it. It's kind of shit that just fucking pisses me off. God damn it. But yeah, I mean, it's that." Um, you know what also pisses me off about seeing fights live? I paid fucking $9 for a bottle of Aquafina. And I had to, you know, I couldn't justify getting another bottle of, uh, getting another bottle of water. So I literally made one bottle, and I got there at 3 o'clock. I wanted, I had to pay, I mean, even though I, I didn't pay as much, I still paid $200 to get in there. And I hadn't been to a UFC in a while, so I wanted to get my money's worth. I was there from the fucking first fight to the end of the Adesanya fight. I was there for like seven and a half hours. I made one bottle of water last. One bottle of water. Because I was not about to fucking pay another $9 for a goddamn bottle of water. And that shit was packed out and I was not going to wait in line. Now I'm getting fucking angry. That shit fucking pissed me off. Oh my god. But. On to the. Oh and. Um, uh, uh, quick little story. So Bilal Muhammad's on the card. So there's you know quite a few Palestinians uh, in the arena. And um. They're just kind of like pockets of Palestinians all over the place with their flags. Just like all over the arena. And these fucking honkies acting like they're fucking hell's angels in fucking uh, in, um, in uh, Anaheim Angels jerseys with their fucking stupid baseball beards. Start fucking walking by all these Palestinians saying, go Israel, fuck Palestine, while flipping them the double birds. For no fucking reason. No fucking reason. And then so, all of a sudden, I mean, everyone's starting to notice, like, what's going on. Because one fucking honky is starting to really piss everybody off and really getting, and trying to get in everyone's faces. And he's really trying to make a problem when there shouldn't be one. And, um, this, um, this dude, all of a sudden you start looking around and all of a sudden you start seeing all these Palestinians just fucking close, like, they're moving in from all over the arena to fucking close in on this group of honkies and finally the honkies get what's going on and they all start moving except for one dude who keeps flipping the double words yelling fucking fuck you and um eventually and this is going on during the maya fight 
And eventually both my section and the neighboring section just start booing this guy out here. So yes, there was a lot of boos going on because of how boring that Bilal Muhammad fight was um, with Damian Maya. But there's going to be a small section, I want to say, in that second round where all the boos were because fucking they were just booing out these fucking honkies in my section. Um, but yeah, it's like, get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. But, you know, fucking... As shitty as that crowd was, that was probably the their best moment collectively was booing out these goddamn fucking rednecks, fucking saying fuck Palestine like fuck you, the fuck. But um, anyways, let's move on to this goddamn card. I'm fucking rambling here. Uh, what I want to start, I want to start with Chase Hooper. Um, Chase Hooper's got a long way to go, guys. I mean, he clearly has like. He's got three bailouts, and when those don't work, he's fucked. And I know he was getting his ass kicked in this last fight and pulled it out at the last minute, and he almost did it in this one. But, dude, I just, I, I, uh, the, he doesn't have the wrestling. He shoots these sloppy ass double legs. He doesn't have the strength to finish double legs. He has no, like, I mean, we're talking like you can't eat, like, he doesn't even have any chain wrestling to, to move from a single to a double or a single to back control or anything. Like, it's just, one two it's just one two fake two shot one two fake two shot one two fake two shot one two like all night um it was just i don't know i don't know what the fuck they're gonna do with that kid but uh he's got a lot of work to do so unless they really put him at the bottom of the barrel um he just he, bro he's gotta he's gotta hit the weight room and he's gotta hit the wrestling room um you know obviously a striking has a lot to way to go but to maximize his yeah. To maximize his skill set, he's got to get some fucking takedowns, and he doesn't have fucking takedowns right now. Uh, Matt Frivola versus uh, Terrence McKinney. Terrence McKinney getting the knockout seven uh, seven seconds into round one. Like literally, as soon as they said go, just waited for Frivola to make the step in, and then just tagged him with the fastest one two I think I've ever seen. Um, a beautiful, beautiful fight, but then just rookie mistake jumping off the cage. Looks like he landed on uh, one foot and blew out his knee, which was fucking nuts. I mean, it was just kind of. Fuck it, I don't know, it was fucking nuts, just to, like, the, um, the momentum shifts there, you're all happy for him, then he almost blows out his knee, can't stand up, like, that shit was crazy, um, funny story about this fight, though, real quick, I, uh, I headed out to the weigh-ins, uh, and I took my little guy, um, so that was his first weigh-in show, and he was loving it, um, but when we got to the weigh-ins in our section, it was literally two whole rows filled of Matt Frivola's, um, friends and family and teams, uh, team, um, they're all wearing a shirt, and they were great people. They were like interacting with my kid because my kid was getting down to the uh, to the DJ, and so the, you know we were just having a great time. And so they they were awesome. And then what's funny is is um then the next day um at, for my seats sitting right behind me was Terrence McKinney's family, and I mean they were fucking elated. They were I mean they and they were kind of I, I really wasn't prying into too much, and I was just kind of like overhearing, but. And, and so I don't really want to speak on it just because it's not really my place to speak on it. But, hey, props to that kid. That kid's, uh, you know, when he was, um, Joe kind of uh, dismissed him just because everyone always is trying to, like, take an ad out or, to, you know, pitch themselves to get on his podcast. But from what I was overhearing, that kid really does have a crazy story. And, you know, maybe one day when he, he gets a few more wins and gets a little bit more uh, notoriety, he can make it on his way to Joe's to tell a story a little bit. But from what I was hearing with uh, from his family, like I, I couldn't help but feel good for that kid. Um, those those guys are so tight knit, though. I, I love when uh, when a family so tight knit. They, uh, I mean, he was what the fourth fight on the undercard, and um, you know those uh, those tickets weren't cheap. 
and uh McKinney's whole family left left after that fight because McKinney wanted uh he wanted to watch the fights with with his family back at the hotel room just so they could all be together in kind of a an intimate setting and I mean I couldn't think of anything better so I was super happy for him I hope his knee's not in too bad shape so we can get right back in there though and I know he took this fight on short notice too I think he fought in the I think he was saying he fought in the LFA a couple weeks ago and then took this on two minutes note or uh, two weeks notice so good for that motherfucking kid and I can't wait to see that guy again but. Uh, interesting it was just interesting you know kind of mingling with frivolous people and then mingling with mckinney's people and it, it just sucked that somebody had to lose and it sucked for frivola to lose in that way but can't help but feel happy for mckinney at the same time um next up you had alexis davis um she loses a split close decision to i'm not i cannot remember how to fucking pronounce this chick's name i thought davis won in the fight i have yet to rewatch it back um on tv and you definitely have a better uh, perspective of things um when you watch it at home on tv versus in uh in person because in person you don't know what the fuck's landing and what's not and it's kind of hard with all the distractions around the around the fucking um around the cage but um oh man this guy uh evil lev uh musafar whatever the fu- uh mo mozavar uh evil lev um got a little rocky in that in that third round but this fucking kid at featherweight is going to cause problems for everybody i mean he's 15 and 0 but i mean he's got to get a fight up in the up in the top 10 the only problem is is because he doesn't have a name nobody's going to want to fight this fucking kid let me bring up um 145 real quick let me bring this up real quick because oh my god his wrestling transitions i mean this is what i was talking about with chase hooper you see how um the russian cat would shoot in go for a single but then quickly transition to the back or transition to a double just his chain wrestling was on point and he would he would strike just enough with um with uh with uh hakeem just to uh just to get him worried about that and then would shoot in and then have his back for pretty much the whole round uh 145 i mean yeah i mean you got okay so you got bryce mitchell right ahead of him which oh my god that'd be a fucking sexy ass fight just because of the way they grapple it actually um probably favor evilev just because of the wrestling um but Mitchell ain't no slouch, and Mitchell can catch you at any point. But then you got Sadiq Yosef. Uh, oh, man, Giga would be good. But then you kind of get into the Barbosas, the Egays, the Allens, the Emmets, the Caters. So he's probably going to have to fight one more person. Oh, man. Yeah, he's either going to have to fight like a Yosef or a Mitchell. And then after that, probably get a guy like Barbosa or... Um, Arnold Allen or, or somebody up in there. So he's still got a little bit, but fuck, man. 145, better watch out. That's going to be a bad matchup for everybody. Uh, after that, you got Lauren Murphy taking a uh, three-round decision to Joanne Calderwood. Um, you know, I don't really got much to say in this fight. It's um, kind of looks like the rest of their fights. It was close, but I, I don't know. I just can't really get into women's flyweight, and I definitely went and took a piss break um, during that fight. Um, Eric Anders, um, this was his first fight, um, I think this is his first fight since moving full-time out here in Scottsdale, so he got a big, big, giant ovation, um, in the crowd, 
you know, I was kind of, I was a little bit disappointed because, um, you know, he was beating the shit out of Stewart and was on his way to get a finish in the first fight. And I figured he would just kind of pick up right where he left off and just decided he wanted to fucking clinch the whole time. And, you know, he ended up getting the, um, he ended up getting the takedowns late. But, dude, those first two rounds are just fucking, I mean, it was just a, a lot of clinching. I thought it, his kicks weren't there and they were open all night. And I, I don't know, I just felt like he could do a lot more. I felt like Darren Stewart was moving a lot, like trying to do these, like, kind of quick foot movements not but not even like in and out was just kind of like on his bike a lot and i just was especially being from the opposite stance i was like i don't know why anders isn't um leg kicking him just to cut that off um kind of started going to that again late but um you know maybe it was the first time being back in front of a crowd like that had some jitters he probably felt strong against the cage um, just because of you know what kind of an athlete he is, and he already knew he had the the advantage there over Stewart. So, you know, I don't, I don't really take too much away from him. I just figured he was, um, I figured he was gonna go out there and blow Stewart out. Um, just because you know, I, sometimes you know, sometimes when uh, when fouls happen in a fight and a fight gets stopped and it's a DQ or no contest and they run it right back, I sometimes I don't see the point. It's, you know, if it's like earlier the fight was competitive, I get it. But like in some cases, like I don't know, to me that first uh, Stewart fight was not competitive, and Anders was again going on to finish that fight. So I definitely didn't think this fight needed to be run back, um, and the proof was a little bit in the pudding. Um, but I'm excited to see what Anders does uh, at light heavyweight moving forward. Um, after that, holy shit, this was one of my favorite fights of the night, and I knew it was going. I mean, like this was a uh, th- this. There was no way this could be a boring fight. Um, but Brad Riddell takes a, a unanimous decision over Drew Dober, and this was just a fucking gunfight. I mean, these guys just stood there and swung, and it was it was nice because the. Um, the last, I mean, I, I was really impressed with uh, Evilev, um, but the crowd wasn't. They were they were pissed of all the grappling, which is one of the reasons why I was like, fuck that crowd. But, you know, that was kind of, you know, for people that was boring. Um, the Lauren Murphy fight wasn't the most exciting. And then, you know, the Eric Anders fight was exciting at the end, but was really, um, you know, a huge clinch fest. So this re- this fight really woke up the crowd. And um, I was really happy to be, to be there live for it. Um, and this was kind of my... Uh, this was kind of my uh, shoe in for fight of the night, which uh, w- which it took. But I mean, dude, great, great fight from both guys. I mean, the problem with Dober is I, th- you know, I think he threw out his game a little bit too much in the first round, and then was kind of playing catch up the rest of the fight. And Riddell was just able just to keep that same pace um, the whole the whole fifteen minutes. I mean, he yeah he put out a lot more, but I feel like Dober was exerting way more energy than Riddell was, and obviously Riddell hurt Dober I think a little bit more, which always takes more wind out of your sails. Um, so great win by Riddell. He's definitely gonna jump up uh, lightweight, and that's gonna be a fun. He's gonna be a fun matchup for a lot of those guys up at 155. And and you know Dober doesn't need to hang his head low. He's gonna get a great fight after this too. Um, you know that's two in a row, but still, I mean he lost to. Makachev, and then, um, you know, this was a great, this was a fight of the night, fight of the year candidate um, for uh, for him, so, you know, he, he, his stock is still going to go up after this, too, um, but let's move on to the, the main card, and oh boy, again, I've seen a lot of fights live, but I have never seen a submission, and I know it got listed as a knockout because technically Jamal Hill couldn't continue, and he didn't tap, 
But fuck me, man. I have never seen an, a submission like that with that kind of injury live. Um, whoever that rep was um, needs to get taken out back and put down like a fucking old dog. Because I, um, my whole section could see that uh, Jamal Hill's... Um, arm was broken and we were screaming like his arms broke his arms broke his arm broke and i mean we were like i mean dude we were like gotta be hundreds of feet away i mean we were fucking far i didn't get no fucking cage side seats all right you know i was fucking lower level but i wasn't fucking right next to that shit so for everybody else to see that and for him to not like that fucking and this is what this is what i'm talking about like you need efficient officials in there uh, you're playing with dudes' health in there. I mean, this isn't fucking, this isn't basketball, this isn't, you know, some stick and ball fucking sport. Like, these guys are in there, and if, if the right guy isn't in there to help them, to save them, shit like this happens. I mean, this dude's trying to tap with his flopping arm. Like, how fucking crazy is that? Anyways, let's recap. I'm sorry, I'm getting kind of ahead of myself here. Let's just recap this real quick. Paul Craig goes in there. They start fast because they've been talking shit all week. Paul Craig grabs a, a heavy overhook in the clinch, pulls guard, goes. Um, Jamal tries to pull out and ends up sinking in his elbow a little bit more, kind of reminiscent of Frank Mir and Pete Williams. Paul Craig uses it to switch to an armbar on the other side, almost gets it. Jamal gets out, but then ends up um, not clearing his guard, ends up back in guard. Or no, I think he clears to half guard but can't sustain it. Craig then uh, retains um, guard back and then literally does the same thing again. Literally does the same, same fucking, um, the same setup once again, except this time it sticks and he just shoves um, Hill's arm in completely the wrong way. Ends up transitioning to a triangle, but it doesn't matter because his arm's already broken and Jamal Hill again is trying to tap. I think he tried to tap with one arm um, the first time and it, it didn't, um, the ref didn't see it. So he tries to flop picking him up, picking up his own arm to tap and the ref doesn't see it. And then finally, I think Craig was telling the ref like, hey, his arm's broke and finally fucking breaks it up. Um, crazy, 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 crazy shit. Let me see what... Um, what Craig's uh, record is right now, because I know he's coming off of those fights over Shogun. If this wants to work. Here we go. Let's see. Let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. So I don't know why I said fights. Uh, oh, that's right, that's right, because he had the draw with Shogun, had a fight in between, and then um, ended up fighting poor old Shogun again. God damn it. Shogun's my boy, guys. That was sad. I love Paul Craig, but that shit was sad. So he's technically on a one, two, three, four, a four-fight win streak with the draw in between in there. Um, all finishes too. Like fucking sky's the limit for this for this open division right now. Um, I don't really know if that puts him in any top. I don't know lightweight or let's see. I keep having to go back to the. I keep closing the rankings and then have. To, oh no, they're right here. Dope. Okay, yeah, Paul Craig's at 12, so you got Ryan Spann, Johnny Walker, Nikita Krylov, Vulcan, Magomed. Oh, man, he fits perfectly in here. Um, again, his striking really isn't up there, but, man, dude, his, his grappling. So, man, uh, man, he's got a lot of fun fights. I mean, him and Johnny Walker would be good. Him and Ryan Spann, I know they're kind of locked up, but Krylov, he'll have to see how things uh, shake out, but he's got a lot of great fights ahead of him. Um yeah, and uh, this is this is also why I love MMA. This is, this is also why I, I fucking love this sport. 
those guys talk shit from the moment this and i don't really know what the origin of it was but those guys were just jibber jabbering in each other's faces they got into a little scuffle at the weigh-ins super heated the night of coming in and then later that night went and got fucked up with each other uh out in glendale at the bars i mean and and uh, jamal's got his arm wrapped up uh in a cast and they're getting there they're sitting there getting fucked up i mean i don't give a shit how how much of a competitor you are in other sports you're not fucking fist fighting you're not trying to literally kill the other person where in this sport you are and when there's heat on top of the regular competition, it just it, it runs so much deeper. So for them to say to hug it out after after something crazy like that, and then to go get fucked up with each other, like there's no fucking better story. It, you know, it's the same thing with uh, with Rockhold and Michael Bisping right now. Who would have fucking thought those two guys would be training, hanging out with each other? And I know it was probably because of the mutual the mutual relationship with. Uh, with uh, Jason Perillo, but still, like, those guys have no reason to be friends, the shit that those guys said to each other, the shit that they, they said to each other that we probably don't even know about, that's fucking awesome to see those two guys be buddy-buddy, because you know they're probably great fucking guys, um, and probably had a great great time with each other, and that kind of came off a little sexual, but hey, it is what it is. Um, who man, who do you think would be the bottom in that one? Nah, okay, I'm just fucking around. I'm just fucking around. Um, but yeah, that was a great fucking fight. Um, and that was an awesome way to start off the card. And then next up, yeah, you know what? You had Damian Maya take on Bilal Muhammad. And I really didn't understand the matchmaking here. Because I feel like Bilal was in a place above Maya. Not in so much rankings or anything like that. But let's be honest. Uh, UFC gives, um... UFC gives um, Maya to people that they're kind of trying to push out. Let's be honest. Let's be fucking real about it. Maya is literally the worst matchup for anybody in that goddamn division. Not saying that he should be favored against everybody, but there's no way to look good against Damian Maya. You can't get your striking off because if you overcommit and get taken down, you are fucked. You are fucked. So you're in a lose-lose. You're literally in a lose-lose. Like you, you are in a never. You're in a ne- like the only way you come out of that, and and, and even it, and again, like Bilal gets the win, and it's still like, eh, who fucking cares? He beat Damien, but it's like the way, or it's you know, and it's that just has to go on with how he beat Damien, and um, you know, you, you know, if you end up, if it ends up happening like Gilbert Burns. You know where um, you know where he knocks Maya out, but Gilbert Burns has the fucking jujitsu to not worry. He can really let his hands go, and he has power. So it was a terrible matchup for Maya. Um, but everybody else, everybody else has to fucking watch their p's and q's with fucking with, with Damien. Because again, I mean, look, 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 this guy was in a title fight with Woodley, and look how Woodley fought him. This guy was in a title fight with Anderson. Look how Anderson fought him. We're talking about the two best guys in the division and some say we're in the best division of all time obviously i'm saying for at the times that it happened um obviously usman has has eclipsed um has eclipsed uh has eclipsed woodley and you know um 
Izzy doesn't have the leg or the resume that uh, that Anderson has, but clearly, you know, is the more skilled fighter. So I'm just saying, look at look at how uh, look at how those two at the time fought Maya. Like that's how dangerous Maya is. So I just I really didn't get this matchmaking. Um, I, I just didn't don't really, and I don't know what the fuck Bilal's manager was thinking either setting up this fight. I don't know if they just thought they were gonna knock out Maya in the first round, and then when it didn't happen, they were just gonna coast or what? But Terrible matchmaking. Uh, Bilal's going to go up, and I think that may have been Maya's last fight in the UFC. Um, well, yeah, but like, just one more thing. Like, people get like, like people wondering why. I was, but it's just like, have you ever seen a Maya fight that doesn't look like that? Like, come on, let's be honest. That's literally every Damian Maya fight. So I don't know what the fuck people were thinking. Uh, but next up, oh boy, this was a fucking crazy one. You had uh, Leon Edwards take on Damian Maya. I'm so Jesus Christ. You had uh, Leona Edwards take on Nate Diaz, and you know this is another thing that I hate about fucking seeing fights live. Um, and I don't really know if this is true with other sports because I don't really know other sports as well. So when you get some uh, bullshitty fucking ignorant fans, I really don't know when they're being bullshitty and ignorant because. For all I know, they could be spot on because I don't really know other sports that in-depthly. But I um, uh, I went by myself, so I was just kind of talking with the people around me. And I ended up meeting some, actually, some, some really cool people, but then, you know, uh, you also meet some fucking idiots. And so I'm talking to this dude next to me. And um, he's like, "Hey man, like, who you going? Who you got in this one?" And I was like, "Fuck man, like, I'm here for Diaz. Like, I love Nate Diaz. I'm like big lifelong fan. I love that guy. I'm from Northern California. Like, that's my boy. But, dude, I feel like Leon Edwards is gonna fuck him up, and this is gonna be a bad fight." And he was like, "Man, uh, you know, I feel the same way. This is crazy." And literally, like, the dude next to me and the dude in front of me, you would have thought I said something about their mother. They the whole fight. I'm mean, like, I'm trying to watch the fight, and they're just grilling me about. So literally as everything I'm saying is is coming to fruition, these guys are grilling me about how I'm talking shit about Nate. Just because I said this was the worst matchup for him that he could have taken on a, in his comeback. Which it ended up being, it didn't take a fucking rocket scientist to fucking figure that shit out. But these delusional ass fucking fans think this is fucking WWE and just because Nate Diaz is the face, he's going to somehow fucking hit that Stockton slap like he fucking did and close the show, which he almost fucking did, but still, like, you know, that that's uh, that was one moment over a fucking 24-minute fucking beat, or a fuck yeah, 24-minute fucking beat down, because that fight was five fucking rounds. Um... Dude, uh, fan, okay, this is uh, two things. Like, you can never judge a fight. Like, you can never judge a fight being in the crowd. Um, because, you, you again, you don't know what hits. You don't know what misses. There's a lot of distractions. So, half the time, you're probably looking at different shit. And especially on the ground. You, you can't, you really can't see anything. You really go just to be a part of it. Um, but, uh, and just to be there for those big moments when something crazy does happen. But literally, like, those boos at the end of the fight weren't because they, you know, were really, like, they were rooting for Diaz. It's because they actually thought Diaz won. These delusional-ass fucking fans actually thought that fucking Diaz won. Like, th- like this is the kind of delusional shit I'm fucking talking about. I fucking love Nate. And I would have cheered my ass off if all those fucking judges just fucking fucked Leon and gave him the decision based off of one minute in that whole fucking fight. But, um, like, literally, like, these guys giving me shit, like, they were in a bad mood the rest of the night just because fucking Nate lost, which I fucking get. They fucking love that cat. But it's like, he did not win that goddamn fight.
Again, I mean, okay, if you want to do it by their fucking standards, he did just because if that fight would have won another minute or if it was in the street, yeah, Nate would have fucking killed him. But um, that's not the name of the fucking game. But it sucks, and you know, it it really sucks for uh, it really sucks for Leon because he was doing everything right. He didn't um, he didn't bite on Nate's bullshit. Um, he was just kind of a step ahead. And my thing going into this fight is, you know, Nate's really gonna have to. Hopefully, Nate is really gonna have to wear on Leon and get Leon to overcommit. And he Nate's really gonna have to take a beating early, just so he can maybe bring Leon down a couple steps. Um, into those fourth and fifth round where, where Nate can really come on. Because um, Nate, Nate's fast. Um, Nate, Nate is a quick guy, but he he's not the most explosive. And so he almost has to bring guys down to his speed. Um, that's why he always kind of takes a beating in that first round. He's kind of a slow starter. Um, just because he has to, like, he kind of has to let the guy kind of let go of a lot of stuff before Nate can really start turning it on because the thing about Nate is is you know doing those triathlons and shit he's really fucking good about going the same pace and that can be a high pace it's just not the fastest but when you're throwing everything you got at Nate and it's not putting him away and then it's the fifth round and you're not explosive and you're not fast and you're not and you're tired that's when Nate starts fucking putting it on you um and I just don't, you know, uh, Leon didn't do any of that shit. Leon was piecing Nate up, did just enough to get to win those rounds, was piecing him up, and then, um, you know, I don't, Nate really wasn't doing a lot of body work. I, I think he was doing, I can't, haven't rewatched the whole fight, um, but I remember Nate doing a little bit of clinch work, and that probably weighed on Leon a little bit going into that fifth. So by the time the fifth happened, it probably happened. But, you know, Leon's done five-round fights before. So, you know, I think he, he was well-conditioned, and he knew what he was getting into. It wasn't like it was his first rodeo. Um, but then, fuck, man, Nate hits him with that fucking Stockton slap and a fucking, fucking straight left hand. And, I mean, a beautiful one, too. And... I'm telling you guys, I've been to a lot of fucking fights. Again, I, I've uh, I've been to a lot of big fights. I was there for Shogun and Dan Henderson. I was there when Anderson uh, kicked Vitor. Um, uh, sorry, guys, my little guy's screaming. I'm gonna have to wrap this up in a minute. Um, I was there when um, sorry when uh, when Vitor a little lot sorry when Anderson uh, front kicked Vitor in the face. Um, trying to think, I was there when Steven Thompson spinning wheel kicked fucking uh, uh, Johnny Hendricks. Like I, I've I've been I, I've been a part of a lot of crazy moments live. I've never heard a, a crowd like that before. I mean, the 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 ground was rattling when he hit him with that one two or that slap in the two. The whole place fucking erupted. I've never have heard anything like that before in my life, and I was fucking. I'm so pissed. My I lost my favorite watch because when he did that, I started hitting all. I started jumping and hitting the guys next to me on their back, and I fucking my watch went flying. It was one of those uh, chain link fucking mesh fucking bands, and the clip must have fucking broke for me hitting somebody and fucking it left, and I didn't realize it till after I left the event. So I'm fucking mad about that. But still, I mean. If it was uh, if it was gonna happen, I'm just glad it happened during that, cause that was a fucking awesome moment, and everyone was biting their nails hoping he was gonna get him out of there, and unfortunately he didn't. But um, what sucks is, dude, Leon's got the worst fucking luck in the world. Goes on this crazy win streak, can't get a fight, 
comes back, pokes fucking Bilal Muhammad in the eye and was looking great, then finally gets his gets this DS fight. And even though I hated this matchup, it really made sense for both guys because for Leon, Nate is the kind of guy that was missing on his resume to really, you know, get put into a title fight. Like you really do nowadays, you really do need that big name to for, for UFC to sell you to the fucking audience on a pay-per-view. And for Diaz, it was like shit, well, if Diaz can fucking beat Leon, no matter which way, you know, he gets put right out back to the top of the division. Like he doesn't need to go fight everybody all over again and start from the bottom. He can just go all the way right to the top. So in uh, matchup, like stylistically, it was not a good fight um, on paper, but for stakes, it was, you know, there was a lot riding on it for both guys. And it just sucks because once again, Leon gets the fucking short end of the stick because he does everything right for 24 minutes and it all goes down the tube because he gets fucking clocked with that one too and everyone looks at Diaz as, even though he didn't get the decision as the fucking winner. So, once again, uh, Leon gets fucked. I, I don't think there's ever... Maybe him or Ian McCall have the worst luck in fucking MMA history. Um, by far. Um, I don't really know what happens with either guy here. I mean, for Diaz, it's... it's the thing about Diaz is is UFC doesn't pick his fights. Diaz picks his fights. So, whoever he wants to come back to, he's going to pick. Whether that's he waits, he whether and I know he says he doesn't want to go down to 155, but if there's a big fight at 155 with either Poirier or Connor, he'll fucking go. Or you know Tony, or you know if there's a big money fight for him at 155, like I, I feel like he'll make that weight cut. Um, so it's just a matter of what him and the UFC want to do. Um, for Leon Edwards though. Man, you're definitely gonna have to fight again, especially with Kobe getting the fight. You're definitely gonna have to get a fight, and I really don't know. I mean, besides Masvidal, I don't know who else you're supposed to fucking fight, dude. Um, let's see here. I mean, there's Gilbert Burns, Leon. Yeah, okay, it's okay. The only person ahead of Leon right now is Gilbert, and I don't. And uh, I, Gilbert and Stephen, uh, Stephen Thompson are fighting, which should be a fucking barn burner. I can't wait for that fight. That's a great fucking fight. Um, so man, he's gonna have to fight fucking Mazadal probably. I mean, that's the only thing that makes sense for either guy. Um, yeah, I don't really know what else to say about that, but yeah, Leon. I mean, even again, even though he did everything right, he fucked up for one minute and everything just went down to the tube. So I feel bad for him. But then you got Davidson Figueroa and uh, Brandon Moreno. Um, and holy shit, you would have thought Brandon Moreno was fucking Ricky Martin out there. That crowd fucking loved that motherfucker. I did not expect that. I went to the weigh-ins, and he probably got he got just as big of a pop as Nate Diaz did. Um, so I don't know what the fuck, how the fuck that fight with uh, Figueroa got so fucking popular. But everybody knew fucking Brandon. Everybody. I mean, he was he was bigger than fucking Izzy at that fight. And just to capitalize, okay, I'm sorry, I keep getting ahead of myself here, but anyways, Brandon Moreno chokes out uh, Davidson Figueroa to win the flyweight title at round three. In round three, at two minutes and 26 seconds, comes the first uh, Mexican-born UFC champion. Comes a fucking, I mean, I guess he was already a fucking superstar, but now he's a fucking megastar apparently. Um, and just, I mean, from the from the fucking get, like, just beat the shit out of Davidson. And going into this fight. Um, you know, that last fight was a war, but I thought a lot of that had to do... I thought a lot of Moreno's success in that last fight had a lot to do with Davidson taking that fight on a couple weeks' notice just to fill in and do the UFC a favor so they could um, 
have an extra fight on that year-end card after he choked out um, Alex Perez just a few weeks before. Um, I know it was a like, I know he has trouble making 135, and to do a weight cut back to back like that, I know that fucking that that was weighing on him. And so I thought going into this, hey, with fucking six months to get everything under control, um, I still feel like even though it was a draw because of the point deduction that Davidson, even though it was a close fight, definitely was the better fighter. So I actually didn't expect this fight to be a fucking... I didn't expect it to be close like the first one, which this fight wasn't, but I thought it was just going to be Davidson just fucking putting him away. I thought Davidson would get the knockout or the submission pretty fucking easy. Um, at least make it look easy. Maybe be, you know, have a couple good exchanges at first, but then I just figured uh, Figueroa would just fucking put it on him because he's a fucking beast. But the opposite happened. Moreno just picked up right where he fucking left off in that fifth round and just literally as the as the first round started, just went fucking off. And I mean, he, he fucking, um, he beat Davidson everywhere. He was better on the feet. He dropped him with that jab. His combinations were fucking sick. I mean, it, he was throwing three, four-punch combos and then landing with a kick. Or ending with a kick, I'm sorry. I mean, just was just better everywhere. His back takes, his clinching, just everything was amazing. Um, and you just couldn't feel happy. You couldn't you could not feel happy for the kid. I mean, again, like Joe was saying, that dude, that dude was literally walking around the cage with no emotion on his face because he couldn't believe what the fuck just happened. Um... So I, I again, th- those are the kind of moments that you you pay that ticket price for. That's what you. That is something I will always remember. I will always remember Brandon winning that belt. I will remember how the crowd reacted to him. I'll remember his face. I remember the emotion on everybody. Everyone getting crazy and feeling good for him, and all the Mexicans feeling like they just won the fucking belt. Um, so that's why you fucking go to that shit live. Um, on the flip side, though, I. Um, Number one, Davidson came in with a fat hematoma already on his forehead, and again, I haven't, um, I haven't watched the whole fight back, but I don't think anybody mentioned that on the fucking broadcast. He took, I mean, he had what thirty seconds left to make weight on Friday, so clearly something went wrong here. I, I don't think we fucking see Davidson back at one hundred twenty-five pounds. I think this is going to be Moreno's division until they can find another top contender, and it 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 just fucking sucks because um um and th- this is actually probably a good thing that Moreno won this fight because I don't think there was gonna even if Davidson figured out a way to win this I don't think there was gonna be a way he was coming back down to one twenty-five. And this is half the problem with um, this is half the problem with that division is is that title just gets given up. Um, I mean, it, uh, Henry beat DJ, but that fight was so close, and DJ had already had that clean finish against Henry the first time. That that fight, and I thought DJ won that second fight, but I really thought you know obviously that fight should have happened again. So there should have been a trilogy to see who was actually the best. So then you have Sahuda the champ. Never defends it, gives it, goes up to, or defends it against TJ Dillashaw, which, you know, that that fight ended the way it did. And then he went up to 135 pounds and left the division. And then, um, you know, then Davidson came in. So there was really never this, like, clean handoff of that belt since DJ's been the champ. And so I was worried after Davidson didn't make weight that, you know, this is going to be another, like, oh, shit, he can't make weight. He's going to give up the belt. They'll have a big, and it's just like this division's going to fucking go nowhere. Um, 
But no, fucking Brandon goes in there even with, I mean, even if Davidson wasn't on his fucking A game, that shit doesn't matter because Brandon Moreno fucking snatched that shit up. Um, and good for fucking, uh, uh, good for Brandon because now UFC, like, you know, Davidson was a monster, but he's nowhere near the star that Brandon is at this point. Uh, after going to that fight live and seeing the pop he got and then seeing all the fucking news about him afterwards, like, uh, Brandon's the fucking man, and I can't wait to see him, um, in his next fight, and, um, you, you know what, you know what, Brandon, uh, Brandon just reminded me of a conversation I had, um, I, I got there early and I was talking to these, uh, two pretty cool dudes, um, I was sitting next to at the fights, um, uh, so because I got there early, I actually was a jackass and I went and sat like not in my seats, but closer to the cage, you know, a little bit better. So I was sitting next to these guys and we're all talking, you know, oh, how long you been in fight, you know, and all that kind of like fucking bullshit about fights and shit. And, um, um, somebody brought up betting. Oh, I was checking my parlay and he was like, oh, you bet on these. And I was like, yeah, occasionally if I find something good or if I see good odds and, I was saying how back in the day um, when I was younger, I used to bet a lot. Um, when I was like a when I was like a young, young, young kid, I uh, would use um, I would bet through my uncles and my cousins and shit because they were old enough to bet and I couldn't, and I would just give them the money to do it. Um, but dude, back in the day, you would see a lot of crazy odds. You would see, you know, guys would be favored. UFC fights, um, they like one guy would be favored just because he he's been in the UFC and has a name, and just because the guy came from elsewhere. Um, and so you would you would like see these odds, and you'd be like, "What the fuck?" Kind of like how Joe Rogan always talks about, you know, when uh, when uh, Anderson Silva came in to fight Chris Lieben, and everyone uh, like who just watched UFC was like, "Oh, Lieben's gonna take out this fucking uh, this Brazilian cat," but it was like, "No, no, 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 no." Anderson is on such a different level, like that. There's no way like this ends anyway. But then Anderson with a knockout, you know, there was just there there was there was always fights like that, uh, and I always bet on those. And I was telling this dude why it's so hard now. It's because even if you think a guy, um, even if you think a guy like it's not a good matchup or a guy doesn't stack up well, guys close the gap so quick now um, in between training camps. Like fighters are almost unrecognizable camp to camp. They just make crazy leaps and bounds in between fights that even though a guy looked like shit or a guy looked great in his last fight, you have no idea what kind of improvements he's going to make in that next fight. So if you like it's almost you like you can only you can only judge somebody by their their last fight. But at, at a certain point, it's almost hard to do that because you don't know what kind of improvements they're making even in like a month or two camp. Like, um, I know this fight was six months, so Brandon had a lot of time to prepare, and it was obvious. But, I mean, he looked like a completely different fighter in this fight, and he looked great in the last fight. Um, so that's what's, that, that is what's crazy about today's MMA game, is, is that these guys just make crazy... They look like different fighters in between fights now. Especially when they're as young as Brandon. How old is Brandon? This kid's 27 years old. Like, the, the, when these guys, like, every fight, he's going to look like a different version of himself. That's what's great about these fucking 27-year-olds. And they already got, like, a fucking, like, okay, Brandon's 27 and already has almost 30 fights under his belt. 
So this guy's going to keep making fucking leaps and bounds fight to fight. And that's going to be a hard motherfucker to beat at 125 right now. But for Davidson, again, what I was alluding to earlier is he's probably going to have to go to 135. And the problem with that is is I think he's going to get dwarfed at 135. And fuck, is that a long queue to get to the top? I mean, if he figures it out at flyweight, I mean, you know... He could have a trilogy with Moreno after, you know, at least one. I mean, uh, flyweight's so fucking light. He could do one fight and fucking um, have one win and get right back in there with another fight with Moreno, which, you know, would sell pretty easily. So uh, so it, it, he, he's got a lot of fucking figuring out to do. Because if he goes to 135, that's a fucking laundry list of dudes you got to get to to get anywhere close to the top, especially... Um, with, with how the division is right now. I mean, right now you got fucking, we got to wait for Aljermaine to get healthy so we can rematch Jan. You got fucking, um, Santa Hagen taking on TJ and TJ's the returning champ who never lost his belt. So the winner of that's probably getting a fucking title shot. Uh, you got Rob Font waiting in the wings. He's fucking super deserving as well. Um, shit, fucking Cody Garbrandt, even though he got pieced up by Rob Fine, he could go in there and knock fucking Jose Aldo out in his next fight, and fucking, he'll probably, just because of his name, be right up back in there for a fucking title fight, so, um, that's a laundry list of dudes, that's a long, 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 long list of dudes you gotta get through, um, to get anywhere close to where you would be at flyweight, so he's got a long way to go. And then finally, um, Izzy, um, Izzy beat Marvin Vittori in their rematch. Um, unanimous decision. I think it was 50-45 across the board. Um, what can I say? I mean, Israel did exactly what he was supposed to do. That was a fucking championship performance. Um, not the way people wanted it, because I know people were expecting a finish, but I mean, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. He beat his leg up. He got him biting on feints. He... You know, was good against the cage. He got taken down a few times, but jumped right back up. But, I mean, um, I just don't think these guys match up. You know, there's just some matchups that just aren't pretty, and I think this is one of them. Um, Marvin is so tough that he can take all of Israel's shots, clearly, because that's happened in two fights now. Um, Marvin really can't do anything with Adesanya against the cage, which, again, has been proven twice. Marvin can get takedowns in the fucking, in the open, which has now been proven twice and was obviously proven in the Jan fight. And so this fight was really, can, you know, the blueprint got laid out by Jan, but can Marvin really close that gap and, um, you know, rise to the occasion and set out that same kind of game plan and he just had nothing for he had nothing for izzy i know he felt i guess he felt like he won and i guess it's easy to think that when you're constantly pushing on a guy but he's got to have some self-reflection and realize like he was not in that fight at all and izzy did whatever the fuck he wanted to him i mean dude that that i'm i'm so surprised he like marvin is so tough marvin is so tough that leg was gone in the first round and he fought all 25. I mean, that his whole leg looked like Rudolph's nose. It was just so pieced up. Um, I mean, there's really not much to say. I mean, just it, it, Izzy put on a clinic fucking championship performance. And it just sets him up perfectly with the Rob fight. Hopefully that fight can happen. And, uh, you know, hopefully COVID gets cleared up in, uh, uh, in uh, New Zealand so they can do a mega fight out there because that's a fucking fight. That is the goddamn fight, and I can't wait for that rematch. There's really not much to say about this, guys. I mean, I mean, there's not much to be said that already hasn't been said, and 
that that fight already didn't fucking do. And, you know, Marvin's just going to get right back in line. And hopefully for Marvin's sake, uh, Robert or somebody else upset Izzy so he can, you know, work his way back up to a fucking title fight. Because Marvin's not going anywhere. Marvin's only 27. He's only getting better. He's got a few wrinkles to, to fucking... Uh, to fucking iron out, but, you know, he'll get there, he'll get there, he clearly has a great base, like, he's got a really strong base, he's fucking tough as nails, and, you know, as long as he fucking, he works on the shit that he needs to be, and he doesn't get discouraged, and he has a good attitude about this, and a good mentality, he's gonna be the fucking man, and he's gonna be at the top of this division for a long time, um, so that wraps that up, uh, I don't really want to dig into this weekend's UFC too much, but let's just kind of go over the card a little bit, you got KS Williams on the undercard, and that's kind of it for the prelims, so hopefully KS Williams looks good after that shitty fight with Fajetta, you got Matt Brown returning against Diego Lima, uh, that should be a fun little welterweight scrap. If Lima can't get the takedown, it's probably going to be a long night. But I expect Lima to be able to get the takedown and probably choke at Matt Brown. But um, even though I love the Lima brothers, I'll always root for Matt Brown. So hopefully Matt Brown gets finished there. Uh, Marlon Vera is rematching Davy Grant. Davy Grant being the most fucking... Incon- I mean, he's not inconsistent because he's on a little bit of a win streak. But it's, I mean... I think he came off of the Ultimate Fighter like back in 2013, 2014, lost, stayed out for, I want to say like three or four years, and then just only been taking one fight at a time, so I think this is Marlon's fight to lose, trying to get this fight back, he's, he's got a loss over Grant from back in the day, um, you know, and Marlon's just trying to regain some fucking momentum since losing to Jose, and hey, just watch out for Marlon, guys, and I know he's kind of, he had that weird fight with Song Yadong, and everyone thought he won, so he got, he kind of got treated like he won that fight, and he got put in that fight with O'Malley, and then beat the shit out of O'Malley, but then had that weird fight where he was just kind of a step behind with Aldo, which, hey, you lost to Jose Aldo, you know, there's, um, no real, it wasn't, it wasn't a bad performance, but he was clearly a step behind, so, Hopefully he can get back on track with this one. Uh, Olenek's returning against uh, Spivak, Sergey. That should be a fun little uh, Russian heavyweight co-main event. Hopefully it doesn't go the distance. And then you got Chan Sung Jung returning after that fucking beatdown he took by Brian Ortega. And same thing with Dan Ige. Both of these guys are returning off of fights where they just got fucking... Wait, uh, did the Cater fight happen? Yeah, the Cater the... Oh, no, he's had a few. Jesus, how many fucking fights has Dan Ige had in the last few? God, this kid's been busy. God, this kid's been busy. Okay, so he fought Edson in May. Oh, that was May of last year. God, that feels like fucking yesterday he fought Edson. Jesus. I seriously got... I guess that was the beginning of the fucking pandemic last year, but fuck, I literally felt like... um. Like, that was one of his last fights. But he got that decision um, from Edson. I thought he won that, but then he just got bulldozed by fucking Cater and his boxing. But then rebounded nice with a quick fucking finish over Gavin Tucker. That's right. So, um, Ige's looking to continue that momentum over um, uh, with that with that knockout win. Uh, how do I get back to the rest of this fucking card? Oh, my God. Um, while uh, Chan Sung Jung is... Um, Looking to rebound off of that shit-ass fight with, uh, or his shit-ass fight with uh, Brian Ortega. Not that that fight was shit-ass, but he just got fucking pieced up. 
And, uh, I mean, he had his moments, but was really getting fucking worked over at the end, ever since that spinning back elbow. The thing with Chan Sung Jung is this dude, he has great striking, and he has great awareness, but just, he was forcing it with Ortega, just kept walking into strikes all fucking night, and that's exactly how he lost to uh, Yair, too, and just, I mean, he was just making himself out to be a fucking punching bag, um, and then just really was so far behind, had no way to catch up, um... So, you know, we'll just, we'll see what happens. I mean, he had those two great knockouts over Moicano and over Edgar and then just like threw it all away with Brian. Not saying that even on, on uh, Jung's best night that he, that Brian doesn't beat him, but um, I just feel like once he got hurt, he just kind of went into that old zombie mentality and just was getting, he was almost too tough for his own good and just got pieced up that whole fucking fight. Um, and Ige's not one of those guys you want to do that with, because Ige will fucking make you pay, um, to me, Jung is the better fighter, but if he doesn't fight up to his potential, and up to his best style, um, because he has, obviously, he has a zombie style, and then he kind of has that, like, counter puncher, like, he waits for you to overcommit, and then he lights you up with, like, a three-punch combination, if it's the, if it's the earlier zombie shit, it's probably going to be a good night for Ige, um, yeah, and I, you know what? I'm getting fucking tired, guys. And that's, I think that... Oh, I just want to end with one more thing. Uh, we had that Tyson Fury... Um, Tyson Fury... Uh, Deontay Wilder um, press conference. And boy, was that fucking weird. That was so weird. Um, I hate boxing, number one. Let me just start with that. We were teased with Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury, and it was like, oh man, finally things are happening correctly in boxing. Like, the, the guys that are supposed to fight are fighting. You know, they fought everybody else, and now they're going to fucking fight. And then these stupid contracts come in, and arbitration goes through, judge rules in favor of Deontay. And why the fuck does Deontay want this fight so bad? Okay. Clearly, like, I don't know what it is with him, but his mental state is just not there. Um, maybe it's just his personality. I don't know what it is. But for a guy to, number one, oh, he, he always, it feels like he talks in third person. Again, this isn't, like, I don't know if he's trying to convince himself because he's not convincing any of us he's in the right fucking state of mind. And he's always kind of talked like that. But it's like, hey, he's fucking knocking everybody out. What are you going to say? But now that he's suffered this bad fucking loss... Um, and still kind of talking the same way. It's just fucking crazy. But then, like, calls for this fight, or, you know, forces this fight to, you know, or forces this rematch, and uh, after coming off of a boatload of excuses, and it's like he's kind of doing the right things in training. I mean, if you see his fucking, uh, if you see his training, he's actually, like, training fundamental boxing now. But it's like, if you get knocked out that bad, your game plan should be, hey, go in there against one or two guys, show people what you've been working on, let those fundamentals actually improve over time, and then fight the winner, or, you know, go get those Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua fights after a fight or two. Because let's be honest, Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua are probably going to have a one or two, uh, at least a two-fight stint. So it should give you plenty of time to fucking work on your fundamentals and get right back in there remind people of the fucking scary monster you are and then go and then those fights are still there for you but now you're gonna go force this fight you're gonna go force this fight you know it's not looking good the only thing that makes me worried is is okay so this is what i'm thinking so from the um in the first fight i thought 
in the first fight, I didn't know what would happen, but I figured because Fury was coming off of the couch, um, because Fury was coming off of the couch, that he was going to um, probably get knocked out by... Uh, I thought he would make it look ugly for Deontay, but then ultimately get knocked out. But then Fury just came in there with all the motivation in the world, ready to be the baddest motherfucker again, and just put it on. Just had that clear outside style with Deontay. It was beating him up besides those two knockdowns. Has the Undertaker moment, gets up in the ten, or the 12th. Puts it on him with the remainder in the 12th, and it's fucking just a, a boxing classic. Everyone's talking about it. Then they go on to fight a couple fights in between and have the rematch. And in between those fights, you know, Deontay just knocked everybody dead, and Fury kind of didn't look like he was taking his opposition very seriously. So going into the and going into the rematch, it like I really felt like okay, um, Fury saying he's gonna go in there and knock him out, but there's no way he's gonna go put that forward pace on him and risk it and fucking drop again, because he already knows that oh Deontay can't turn my lights out, so there's no way he's gonna go put himself in that position, and he's gonna have to have another twelve fight uh, or a twelve round you know kind of long fight and I was just thinking man that's I mean like look at what Ortiz has done Ortiz has been perfect all the way up until he wasn't in a split second so I was just thinking oh man even though Fury looked way better in that first one coming off off the couch and now he's out all this time to work on his skills 12 rounds is just too long to be in there with Deontay but then fucking Tyson Fury made me eat my words he went to that fucking Sugar Hill fucking um uh, that Sugar Hill camp, and he fucking put it on Deontay, made him look fucking dumb, he made him look like some fucking, uh, he made it look like it was a dude's first day at sparring, and Tyson was the fucking king of the gym, and that dude was talking shit, and he just put it fucking on him, um, and so, but then, but still, but still now going into this fight, I, I almost worry that Fury is gonna not take Deontay, I mean, Hold on a second, guys. Hold on. Getting a little uh, dry mouth here. I'm not saying uh, Fury's not taking Deontay seriously. But if he goes in there thinking like, oh, I'm just going to be able to fucking finish this guy whenever I want, and he gets clipped, and it's not the fucking punch he sees coming, it, it, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm definitely like 80-20 on Fury just fucking cleaning his clock and we never hearing about Deontay Wilder again, which sucks because Deontay's a great fucking fighter and you got to love that one-punch knockout. But if he gets cleaned up by Tyson Fury twice, like, it's boxing. That's that's it. That's fucking it. I'm sorry, but he should have went. He should have had a couple fights in between, let fucking Fury and, and, uh, and Anthony fucking do their shit, and then you pick up the pieces at the end. And then there's plenty of fights to go around for everybody, but now... You're you're risking it. You're risking everything. You're risking everything. Kind of like how we were talking about Nate. Like what we were talking about with Nate Diaz and Leon Edwards is for both of them it makes sense because the winner gets to kind of reap all of the rewards, right? Well, that's kind of that. And I don't even really feel like that's like that's not really going on here. But I feel like that's how Fury's looking, or that's how uh, Deontay's looking at it. Is is like, oh, I can just get back everything I lost in that last fight. And, you know, because the thing is, is if he does, he's probably just going to have to fight Fury again. It's not like he's going to go fight fucking Joshua because that will be two times now that Deontay, um, or what was I going to say? 
I don't know, because they would still technically only be one and one with the one draw. So we would probably have to do another fight. So it's just kind of like rinse and repeat with this fucking, with this saga. So I don't know. I just, th- this whole thing just leaves a sour taste in my mouth because these guys aren't young anymore. And so they're probably coming out of their prime. And especially with having to wait this whole year with COVID, it's just like, we just need to, we just need to make the fights that we, we need to make. And this fight definitely didn't, didn't need to be made. And we got to figure out how to stop putting in immediate fucking rematches and contracts because fuck this shit. God, like this rematch should not fucking happen. Deontay Wilder should just take a fucking seat, go work on his fundamentals. Anyways, I'm going to fucking kill this podcast on that fucking note. Thanks, guys, for listening to my banter. It's been a minute, so I was a little bit rusty, but I know I kind of always say this, but hopefully I can get a little bit more consistent with this. So uh, tune in next time because I will definitely be bringing that violence back into your ears. See you guys.